I'll read a couple scriptures to give you some some hope here. Uh, the first one's in Acts 20, verse 24. It says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. This is Paul's ministry, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. That's Paul, the apostle's ministry, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And that, you know, when you think about what all Paul did, wow, the grace of God's big, isn't it? Isn't it big? Amen. Here's another one. Uh, This is in the same chapter, verse 32. He says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able. Everybody say able. To build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's how you get your... That's how you get your stuff from God. It's the word of His grace. Well, this I wanted to share this little testimony uh, about personal revival. Um, <clears throat> somebody said I was. They said you're having a personal revival, aren't you? And I was thinking, well, I guess I am having a personal revival. But here's what's great about this personal revival. In one way, <laughs> nothing in my life has changed. None of my circumstances have changed. Nobody has uh, given me any large deposits of money. <laughs> now, that would be nice, and I would be blessed if that happened. But honestly, in fact, there are some areas of my life that seem to be kind of going down right now instead of going up. You know what I'm saying? That's what's so wonderful about the gospel of grace. It has nothing to do with what happens to you on the outside. It has everything to do with what happens to you on the inside. And I feel like that God is doing something in my life that has nothing to do with my circumstances. It has nothing to do with a revival in the church or some new teaching. In fact, I keep saying, Lord, I wish I could figure out some new scriptures to say this stuff because it's all same old scriptures we've always read, but they've got so much life on them. And I'm going to tell you, this thing has a life of its own. I don't have to kind of drum anything up, you know. It just, it's almost like it just wants to, it just wants out. It really is a river. And it wants, it wants to flow. And that's what the gospel of grace really is. And my sincere, honest desire for you guys is what Becky prayed, that we would, our eyes would be opened. Because that's what happened to me. I was was studying these scriptures, and I prayed, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Not about the gospel of grace, just open them about something. And, man, it just flooded into my life, and it's just awesome. And I just pray, Lord, right now for every person in this room that they would get a greater revelation of the gospel of grace, that it would be bigger to them, uh, Lord, because it already is huge. It's, it's wonderful, and it's eternal. And, Lord, just uh, just want you to open, open the eyes, Lord. Lord, hallelujah. I spent years hearing about grace, and I actually have spent years living in grace. Amen? Everybody in this room is, 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 is functioning from grace. You've got grace working in your life. You see what I'm saying to you? But you don't... It's, man, when your eyes are open to it, and I'm telling you, it's, it's radical. I'm telling you, it's a radical thing. It will radically change you. All of a sudden, things look different in the Bible. Suddenly, the, see what I'm saying? 
my circumstances haven't changed. I have some pretty serious needs in my life, okay? And some, I'm facing some pretty serious de deals. But grace, with a revelation of grace, I am able to face those things because grace takes me through them. Grace enables me. You see what I'm saying? You know, I've always wanted God change this, do this. I'll be, ha you know, if that'll work, I'll be happy. And then He would do some of those things, and I didn't get happy. You know, because I got there and thought, well, that ain't quite it. I need something else, you know, and I need something now. I really believe in the move of the Spirit and, you know, getting touched by the Lord. I'm not ever going to quit that. That's really biblical. But I just like to see us have an internal revival, something that happens inside of you that has nothing to do with what happens happening around you, but it has something to do with God inside of you. And this, it, it really is the gospel of grace. It's the word of His grace. Amen? So, uh, having said that... <laughs> I'm going to give you just a tremendous message this morning. It really is a tremendous message. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to preach good, but that's really not really the point. I've concluded. <laughs> Man, I've concluded a lot of things. But I want you to open your Bibles to Romans. Now, I want to just say something to a couple of people in here. In this little short time i got to say this, I can't say everything that needs to be said. So don't come up after the service saying, you didn't say this, and you know, what about this, and what about that? It's just impossible, you know? Really and truly, grace is something I believe we will explore into eternity. I don't think we'll ever find the end of it. Because God is grace. God is, you know, that is the, His very nature. It's just like God is truth in His very nature. And we can spend eternity in heaven looking at grace. Uh, so, uh, let me read Romans 5, 20 and 21, okay? And i got something really wonderful to share with you towards the end. Uh, it says, uh, Romans 5, verse 20 and 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. That just doesn't make sense to the natural man. God gave, an, God gave His law so sin would increase. And there goes somebody's phone. <laughs> But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Amen? So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace, everybody say grace. Grace might reign. Everybody say grace might reign. Through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the law was given, I'm just going to give you a little recap of last week. The law of Moses, the, the law of the Bible, the, the, the Scripture itself, was given to us not that we should obey it. It was given to us to show us how utterly weak we are in fulfilling any command of Jesus Christ, any command of God. It was given to, sh to prove to us, you cannot do this. That's why we have, that's one of the reasons we have the Bible. That's not the only reason. That's one of the reasons Jesus said to love God with all your heart, soul, might, and strength, the first commandments. He gave us that to absolutely show us that we were utterly useless to be able to do that. That's the reason. And it's liberating when you come to that revelation, I can't do it. Here's a practical example of the law, a very practical level. Yesterday. Well, I really need to seek the Lord this morning. Start seeking the Lord. My grass really needs cutting real bad. I need to go out and cut my grass. No, I need to pray. So I start praying a little bit. No, I need to cut the grass. You see, the law was at work in me, demanding that I pray. And then when I started praying, the law went to work telling me how much the grass need cutting. You see what I'm saying? So if I go start cutting the grass, I feel bad because I'm not praying. 
Has, has anybody had those kinds of experiences? That's the law. When that's happening in your life, that's not Jesus. That is not the Holy Spirit. That's the law putting a requirement on you, a demand on you, that you, and you can't satisfy it. That's the thing. You can try all these things. You'll never satisfy it. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. The strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin is... In other words, that's where sin gets its power. It gets it from this thing called the law. That's 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 56. So... I told you this last week. We will never truly get free from sin until we're freed from the law. We will never get fr truly free from sin until we see ourselves as free from the law. And I remember I went through that little deal in Romans where Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And death being the ultimate weakness. A dead man can't do anything. He can't fulfill anything. He has no power to do anything. And that's what Paul was saying. We, in our natural self, we do not have the ability to fulfill any requirement of God. That is a wonderful revelation that, you know, I pray that God would bring you to that place where you would see that, that when you come to church or when you read the Bible, anything that you hear, you would see, it's, I can't do it. I can't do this. What I'm saying to you today, you need to walk out of here saying, it's not in me to do this, God. Amen? And it's really powerful. The law says, I have to do something for God. That's what it says. Grace says God does something for me. Amen? It's not that the will of God is not done in our lives. It's that God Himself does His will through us. That's the difference between law and grace. God Himself lives His life, expresses His life, does His will through us. Amen? It's Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Now, you need revelation on that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you need to hear that from a revelatory perspective? Not, I've heard that scripture, I've probably quoted it 983 times. But now that scripture has a whole new meaning to me because I see it for the first time. It's God working in me both to do, and both to will and to do. I don't have to do it. I'm free from doing it. I'm absolutely free. I do not have to do anything that Jesus says I have to do. In fact, as Arthur Burton had an old saying, everything Jesus did, he never did. That's what Arthur Burton, one of his old sayings, everything Jesus did, he never did. It was the Father working in him. And in our lives, everything that we do, if we truly do anything of any true value, it's not us doing it. It's God himself doing it through us. And I will dare say, if you ask God to show you your life, you may be shocked to see how much wood, hay, and stubble is really in your life. Amen? You, in fact, you need to ask God to sh start showing it. And He'll just show you just a little bit because it'll shock the fool out of you how much wood, hay, and stubble. Well, um, here's, this is a tremendous thing that happened to me this week. Uh, Hudson Taylor. Anybody ever heard of Hudson Taylor? Ever would-be missionary should read Hudson Taylor. I can just tell you that right now. That man was a magnificent man of God. Had a magnificent God. But this is a little plaque that somebody gave me that I put in my bathroom. It says this. God's work done in God's way never lacks God's supply. God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. That's a Hudson Taylor quote. Well, I've always thought that was a cool quote, and I have it in my bathroom. And this is the way I used to look at that quote. God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. So if I'm lacking something, it means I'm doing something wrong, and I need to go figure out what I'm doing wrong. Okay? 
and fix it so that I can get in the, you know, if I'm doing God's work and it's not, well, I must be doing something wrong. There's got to be something wrong that I have to fix. Well, this week I ran into a situation where I saw this need. And I was, you know, what am I going to do? And praying and asking the Lord. And I went to the bathroom and I saw that. God's work, doing God's way, never lacks God's supply. And for the first time it hit me. For the first time it hit me what he was really saying. See, I don't have to go and figure out what to do. If it's God's work, God needs to be doing it. And God needs to figure out how to do it His way. All I have to do is allow God. i got one thing. i got a choice. And the choice is this. Yes, Lord, I present myself to you to do your work, your way through me. I'm not smart enough to figure out what's wrong or what's right. In fact, if I figure out what's wrong or what's right, I'm going to get the credit. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, it's, and it liberated me. It set me free from having to, like, I better go study the Bible for 14 more hours to try to figure out this problem. All i got to do is get before Jesus and say, Here I am, Jesus. You're inside of me. I'm inside of you. Y'all got that? I want you to ask the Lord to give you revelation on it. Re, uh, Romans 6.1. So that was God. Everything I was just talking about was, was grace in relationship to, to serving God, grace in relationship to the law, grace in relationship to pleasing God. We can't do it. Get it and get it in your mind this morning. You cannot please God. It is impossible to please Him. Totally. Only God can please God. Only God can please God. Does that set you free? I don't have to please Jesus no more. He pleases Himself through me. I'm not responsible for making God be pleased. It says in the Bible, find out what pleases the Lord. It's in Ephesians. I used to spend hours trying to find out what pleased the Lord. I don't have to do that no more. I'm free from that because I found out what pleases the Lord. Jesus pleases the Lord. That's all that pleases Him. And all i got to do is let Jesus live His life through me, and I'm going to, I'm going to be pleasing to Him. And I know that sounds real trite and real simple, but I'll tell you something. It's the truth. It's the gospel truth. And that will change your life. And let me just say, all this other stuff that we involve ourselves in will not change your life. And that, that, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right on this one. <laughs> okay. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So I want to take on the great task of talking about grace in relationship to sin. Okay? That's what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning. There's a lot more to talk about in grace in relationship to the law. I, I know that. But like I say, we've got eternity to get, get through all this, but... But I want to talk to you about grace in relationship to sin. In particular, this is what I want to talk to you about. These are some questions that I've had, that other people had. Why do I still desire to sin as a Christian? Why do I still have this desire to sin? Anybody in here got a desire to sin? I mean, anybody here don't got that desire? Okay, why do I still desire to sin? And in many people's experience, why do I have sin in my life that I absolutely cannot overcome? Now, I'm not going to ask you if you have that in your life, because I don't want to. But I bet, I bet there's a lot of people in this room that have sin in their life they can't overcome. Well, I'm going to you know, try to talk about that, about where grace comes in with sin, okay? And try to answer those questions for you. Uh, because it's, it's really cool. 
Uh, turn to Titus. Hold your place in Romans and turn to Titus. And let me read verse 11 and 12. Are y'all excited this morning? Get a revelation. That's what I want you to get. Uh, Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, and then we're going to go back to Romans, okay? We're not going to stay in Titus, but I just want to read this because it's such a great, it's such a cool two verses about what I'm trying to talk to you about. It says this in, in verse 11, Titus 2, for, by, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Amen. Teaching, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Did you get that? In other words, grace is the thing that is going to teach us how to live a righteous life. Grace is, see, grace doesn't demand righteousness. Okay? The law demands righteousness. Grace doesn't demand it. Grace gives you the desire for it. Grace gives you the desire not to sin. Okay, and that's what these verses are saying, that grace will teach you this. Grace will impart this to you, release this into your life where you don't want to sin. Okay? So that's really what I want to tell you. I want to tell you how grace does that in my, you know, short few minutes here, which, you know. So I go back to Romans, and I'm going to give you just a few keys. This is the, remember last week I told you Romans for Dummies version? Well, this is, again, this is part two of Romans for Dummies. You know, you know, I was telling you how Romans is just like, oh, you know, come on, Romans. Let's get, a, let's get somebody to write a book, Romans for Dummies, that can really sort of simplify. But you know what? It's so crazy. When you start seeing it from a grace perspective, it simplifies it. It's like, wait a minute, that's not so bad after all. It really not. Romans 5, verse 12. Let's read this one. I want you to get this is an important point. In fact, let me just tell you what my first point is, and then I'm going to read these verses. The first point is... What we believe about who we are has a great impact on how we act. You got that? What we believe about who we are has a great impact on how we act. In other words, if I believe I'm a fireman, what am I going to do? I'm going to run around putting out fires, you know. When I ride by a fire, I don't believe I'm a fireman. I believe, I'm glad I'm not a fireman, man. You know, I'm just going home and let them do that. But if I believed I was one and I saw a fire, I would jump out of the car and go try to put it out. Amen? So what we believe about who we are has a great impact on how we act. Now let me read these verses. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. That's Adam that they're talking about right there. Okay? Through Adam, okay, that's the one man, sin entered the world. It wasn't your fault, it was Adam's fault. Blame it on Adam. All right, now let's read verse 18 and 19. Of, verse, of chapter 5. Therefore, as through one man's offense, that's Adam's offense, judgment came to all men. Wasn't fair, was it? Adam sinned and we all got judged over it. But don't go too far with that because you could get in trouble. <laughs> Resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteousness, that's what I'm saying, go ahead and take Adam's beating. You need to because if you don't take his beating, you're not going to get to take Jesus' free gift. Because that's what's so wonderful. Even so, through one man's righteous act, that the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. 
Okay, that sounds, that's straightforward, right? That's Adam's sin. We all were made disobedient. Christ obeyed. In, in Christ, we're all made obedient. Now, here's the thing. I want, I want you to get this. This is really important. We are not just sinners saved by grace. That we were sinners, okay? We were, and this is really important because what we believe about who we are has a great impact on how we act, okay? We are not just sinners saved by grace. We were sinners who got saved. But we were not sinners because we sinned. We were sinners because Adam sinned. We were sinners because we were born sinners. You see, there's people out there who probably live better moral lives than many of us in this room. Okay? But they're still sinners. I'm a sinner because Adam was a sinner. And Adam's my father in the natural. Okay? He's my father. I was born through Adam, so I became a sinner... Not because I sinned, I became a sinner because I was born a sinner. That's why you and I are sinners. We were born sinners. And a lot of people need to get that. Because if you ask a lot of people, what's a sinner? They say somebody who sins. And that's not true. There's truth in that, but that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. If we're sinners, all right, let me get this. If we're sinners saved by grace, that means one thing. If We've heard that before. If you're a sinner saved by grace, this is what it means. It means you have two natures living in you. You have an, an, an old nature and a new nature. If you believe you're a sinner saved by grace, you are believing the wrong thing. You're believing you got, I'm just a sinner, Lord, just saved by your grace. How many people have thought that? How many people have said that? And how many people know that that is not the Scripture? It is not the truth. And this is of primary importance in my life. So there's a teaching that says this. Everybody, and I probably teach this. That's what's so bad about it. I don't remember it, but I bet I did. In fact, I'm just saying I did it, Lord. I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty. That says this. What you feed starves, right? And what you, yeah, what you don't feed starves and what you feed grows. In other words, so you don't feed this old nature. That's how you overcome sin. You don't feed him. You don't do these things. You don't look at things you shouldn't look at. You don't read things. You say, that's starving this old man. You start starving him, and you feed this other new man. And, you know, you read the Bible, you pray, you do all things, feeding him. He gets all built up, and he gets strong, and he's able to beat this old guy down and wear him down. So we, we develop this whole theology system around, the church is full of it. I mean, it's everywhere around this two-nature kind of thing. we got two natures. There's, there's this fight going on us of these two natures. And you've got to feed one of them and starve the other. And I bet you there's people in this room who believe that, whether you know you believe it or not. But I'm going to tell you, it's all built on a lie. That is not what the Bible says. Okay? It's not true. Let's read on down. See, I don't need to govern my old man, because the Bible's already got something to say about it. Listen to this. Verse 2, or verse 3, I think I read verse 2. Let's read verse 2, because he said, let's just start at verse 1, just to help me. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Uh-oh. They're not talking about water baptism there, by the way. Water baptism is a picture of this. They're talking about Christ on the cross. Christ died on the cross. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, okay, that our old man was crucified with Him. Oh, everybody's heard that all their life. But when you start getting a revelation of grace, it speaks, I mean, this right here will slap you upside the head. We were crucified with Him. Where am I? That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who died to sin, or he who has died, has been freed from sin. God sets us free from the dominion of sin, not by strengthening our new man and weakening our old man. God sets us free from sin by killing our old man. Now, that's the truth of the Bible. If the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, your nature, your sinner nature, who you are as a sinner that you got from Adam, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, God took you at that very moment. I don't know how He took you. I'm not going to try to explain it. I have no idea how He did it. It's spiritual. He took you and placed you into Jesus. He stuck you in Him. And when Jesus was hanging on that cross, you, you, your old man, the nature that you were born with, was stuck in there with Him. And when Jesus breathed His last breath, and He said, it's finished, and He just... When that, at that very moment, your old man was finished. He died right then with Jesus. He died. That's how It's not this bull, you know what, that is taught. Feed one and we do not have two natures in us. We have one nature in us. The old man has been crucified. He's been placed in Christ. He's dead. He doesn't exist any longer. That's the truth of the Bible. Are you with me? God removes the old man. We do not have two natures living in us. We have one nature. You either have the old man because you have not accepted Christ as Savior, or you have the new man because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you have a new nature. Here's a couple Bible verses. I have been crucified with Christ. I being the old nature. It is no longer I being the old nature, the old sinner who live. But Christ lives in me. Important. So not only were we placed in Christ and died with Him, somehow or another when Jesus was resurrected and we accepted Christ, Jesus was placed in us. He's alive. Christ is in me now. It's no longer I, my old man who's living, but it's this new man, this new, new creation, this new person that's in me who's alive. And the life which I now live in the flesh, and I'm going to talk about the flesh in a moment because everybody's got a lot of questions. You should have questions at this moment because I have been to this point a few times in my life. The life I live in, in the flesh, this is my flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, not faith in the Son. The faith of is His faith in us, operating through us. Okay, that's so profoundly important. Here's another one. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, if you've been placed in Him on the cross, if He's in Him, he is a new creation. That's the Word of God. That's the Bible. Don't believe this other stuff. Cast it out. When anybody starts talking about that feeding one, 
I'm starving you. I'm telling you, no, that is not biblical. It sounds good. It sounds cool. But that is totally carnal. That's a deception. It's a big fat lie. Old things have passed away. Listen, I'm reading the Bible to you. Your old nature has passed away. Your old man, the sinner that you were, you were when you were born, is dead. He's gone. There's a thing on the tombstone that says, There lays old Byron. He is a dead thing now. He's not alive. I am not the same person that I was. I am a new creation. It really is. There's no old man to starve. There's only a new man if you're a Christian. You're no longer a sinner by nature. Okay? You may commit sins, but that's not your nature. Do you hear what I'm saying? That is not, it is not your nature to sin. It is not Christ's nature to sin. You may commit sins, but it's not His nature to do it. And that's who I am. I've got His nature. So if I commit a sin, it ain't Him. It's not His nature to do it. It's something else. And that's where we need to go. Are y'all with me so far? This is the gospel of grace. This is wonderful. All right, point number two. This is good. Oh, this is where it really trips you, kind of. Romans 6, 6, it says this. What does it say? The first two words. Knowing this. Knowing this. See, I want you to understand something. You've got to have revelation on what I just said. You, you really do. You have got to not just read it in the Bible and say, okay, that's what the Bible says. I've read it in the Bible for years. And somehow it wasn't working. So what we need to do, what you need to do is you need to ask, Lord, the Bible says that. I believe the Bible is the truth. So I'm going to accept it by faith. But I want you to really speak this to me. Give me revelation that I, that I actually see myself on the cross with Christ. That's what, why Paul said, knowing this, you've got to know it. I heard a guy talking about this recently. I'll just tell you this real right, right quick. Leonard Jones you know, he's working. He was, the Lord was really giving him this revelation. I mean, he gave him a profound revelation, and he started talking, man, I can make a lot of money off this, this teaching. <laughs> this is a profound teaching. And then he forgot every bit of it. But he said, the only thing I can remember, he said, it was so real, it was as if Jesus himself committed all my sins. He said, that's all I can tell you. And I know he didn't, but it was as if he committed them. I mean, and he had something going there. He's got, you know, there's some, there's some revelation in that. But we've got to have revelation. If you do not know by revelation the truth of Romans 6, 6, you will never practically overcome sin. Did you hear what I just said to you? If you do not have revelations on Romans 6, 6, that your old man is placed in Christ, you will never practically overcome sin in your life. So, I mean, this is critical. Yeah, This is critical. You really need to seek the Lord and ask Him, God, I need revelation on this. Because I really need to practically overcome sin in my life. Sin, need, I don't need to be sinning. 